What's up, everyone? My name is Nolan Hughes, and you are listening to the Can't Lose podcast with me, Nolan Hughes. Today, I spoke with Hunter Kempton, one of my absolute best friends on the planet. We bowled together for three years at Lincoln Memorial University before shit hit the fan, but that's a story for another day. We talked about the PBA's latest rule change, which allows for college bowlers, specifically the non-NCAA ones, to cash in an unlimited number of PBA tournaments per year. Previously, the rule only allowed for two caches a year. Since Hunter is still bowling in college and competing in PBA events on the side, I figured this was the perfect time to bring him on the pod and get him to stop bugging me about coming on. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, welcome to episode number seven of the Can't Lose podcast with me, Nolan Hughes. Today, I have a special guest on you'll probably be hearing from more than once or twice. We've got uh, my roommate, or first non-roommate, then roommate, then not a roommate, and then kind of roommate again from, uh, we were in college together for about three to quarter years. We got the Hunter Kemp, Hunter Kempton. How we doing, Hunter? What's going on? Happy to be here, finally. Took him seven episodes to get me in. I can't believe it. (laughs) Well, we got you here now. That's all that matters. All right. So, well, first of all, let's, uh, what are you doing nowadays? Where are you at? Uh, so I'm at William Patterson University this year. Uh, it's my fifth year in college because I transferred from LMU where me and Nolan went. Um, it's my last year of eligibility. Uh, I didn't bowl last year during the COVID year. So I got one left and i um, excited to get started. Gotcha. And uh, you bowling this year in college is why I wanted to bring you on the pod today because the PBA announced a big rule change that matters for college bowlers. So there used to be a rule where you could only cash in two PBA events per year, and that rule is now gone. College bowlers can bowl in and cash in as many PBA events as I want to say as they want, but more so as they're able to. Right. Uh, And that is – a big deal because college bowlers are not allowed to go pro professionally and get like get their card and stuff like that. Yeah. So this is a, a big deal. So uh, what do you, what was your first thought when you saw the rule change? Uh, my first initial thought was I felt, I felt for my friend, Andrew Hall, he, uh, he left college bowling early to get his card. And then as soon as he did, bam, um, you know, I, I, I think this is a good rule change to be honest, because, um, it allows the top level talent in college to continue competing as much as they want. Uh, before they, we were limited, obviously, we can only cash in two regionals or PBA events per year. So uh, let's say you went out and you bowled um, a couple of regionals and you cashed in two and uh, you go bowl a third one and you make the cut. Well, at that point, it was either A, you had to get your PBA card right there or B, you had to forfeit any of the money you earned. So um, I think it's I think it's really cool that um, that the college level talent gets to get out there a little bit more, uh, bowling on some some different types of patterns against obviously really good talent on the PBA. Um, another opportunity to continue competing. Uh, obviously, I'm a big tournament person, so I think that I think that's a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were the first person I thought of when this rule changed because I remember in the summer when you were talking with Andrew, Andrew was mapping out his schedule for where he was going to bowl this summer, and you you were going to be riding all, well, riding along with him, 
And it got to a point where you were like, yeah, like that, that's cool. But remember if I cash in one of the, in a couple of these first two, like I can't bowl anymore after that. So it's yeah, cool. He, that. Um, me and Andrew grew up bowling all sorts of stuff together. We drove everywhere. And so that's kind of like the highlight of our summer is coming home from college bowling and getting to go bowl everything together. And uh, this year has been a little different because he got his car, obviously. And um, when he was telling, like, at the beginning of the summer, he was telling me his schedule. I was like, dude, you got so many regionals on here. Like, I can only pick and choose. And we were talking about bowling the, the member, non-member doubles together. And so at that point, there was like, I think there was like probably three regionals before that. And I was like, I can only bowl, you know, hopefully just one of those because if I cash, then I can't bowl again until the doubles because if I do, then I either have to cancel the money that I would have made that day, which I don't really want to do because it's a, almost a $300 entry fee if you're a non-member or uh, get my car, which I certainly didn't want to do because I have one more year of eligibility left. So it was it was difficult at the beginning of the summer because a lot of weekends he was off bowling regionals and I just couldn't really go. But uh, I, I, I do, honestly, I think this is a really great rule change. Did you ever think about getting your card and just skipping this the last year of eligibility? Uh, me personally, no. Uh, as you know, I've had some physical issues the last couple of years that seem to need some physics to fix or something because no one's been able to tell me how to fix it or I couldn't figure it out. Um, so I really wanted to get a year in with a coach who I, I thought could fix it. And uh, we're probably about a month into practice now. And we, we've the last week and a half or so in particular, we've seen a lot of progress, which is really exciting. Mm -hmm. So let's, uh, let's brainstorm a bit here. Who are some of the top college bowlers that this is going to affect like immediately this year? Cameron Crow is obviously the yeah. Cameron Crow is the first person in my head. Uh, probably Tom Hankey, obviously big name in youth bowling. Uh, he bowls all sorts of stuff down in Florida. I'm not sure how many regionals they have down there. I, I think it's a good amount in mm -hmm. that area. Um, I can I can see like especially Tom and a bunch of the Weber guys bowling a lot. Um, let's see. I haven't been in college bowling. It seems like forever now. So yeah. I'm trying to. Obviously, all the, uh, the Wichita a, a guys. lot of the just kind of the the good team guys um, like Wichita, St. Ambrose, Mount Mercy, uh, Weber, uh, Andrew. my roommate Tiller here at Willie P is probably going to be bowling quite a few. I'm sure I will be too, as long obviously if we don't have college bowling on those weekends. But there's definitely an incentive now to go bowl those for sure. Right, it's it's cool that'll it's I think it's good for the tour too to get in some of these talented youth and I, I know uh, Tom Clark said in Jeff Richgill's piece about it on 11thframe.com was it'll help ease the transition from college to pro which is we we when you're in college bowling you hear it all the time of the uh the, the jump from to the pros is dramatic it to get most guys go out there the first couple of years and then just get their teeth kicked in yeah for sure I mean it's definitely such a different environment you know, in college bowling, it's all team oriented. Like there's singles games, but you learn pretty quick. It's not about whether you shoot 210 or 190. It's about the five game team score combined. Mm -hmm. uh, you got guys holding each other up. You got the coaches in the back helping you with moves, ball changes. Um, the patterns themselves are completely different. A lot of the, the college patterns are um, 
they use the Kegel machines. And I know on tour, they use the Brunswick machines that only oil guide forward. And so it's good to be able to kind of get a touch and a, a feel for what's going on between the two during your college. And then, so then when you get out there, it's not such this dramatic change where you're all of a sudden you're by yourself. Um, the transitions are way different. The guys are way better and it's all of that hitting you at once. So I think, I think it definitely helps. Right. Yeah. You go from college where you break down the patterns as a team. So you're all yeah. throwing shots in one spot. So you kind of know what's, what's going down at least early in the transition to the pros where one dude might be playing pretty straight, you know, 10 to seven. And then you look over and Marshall Kent's going 20 to, to four for no reason, but yeah. you strike with it. Yeah. And it's, it's every man for himself out there. 100%. You kind of hit on it already with um, saying you agree with it. I also I mean, agree with it. I think it's kind of a no brainer here. I think one of the, I think one of the, the reasons that I think we haven't talked about yet on um, another reason why I like this world change so much is a couple of years ago, they, they made a rule change where anybody that has a college bowling um, membership who, who's in college is certified as a pro. Right. And so even though it's kind of different organizations, this is, I'm talking about USBC now, uh, nationals where all college bowlers are ranked as pros. So, um, you know, like, let's say me and you went out to nationals together. We're ranked as two pros. So they're saying that me and you are equal to Belmo and Simo. I know they're different because the PBA title, you only get one pro per team. But with that point, like, you go to bowl with one of your friends and then all of a sudden, you know, it, it gets so it gets so hard trying to find another three people. Right. That that are bowling all the time. And the people that we see that are bowling all the time are in college. Mm-hmm. And so we, you can only get one other person and then it's, you know, you got to go, you got to dig really deep. And then obviously there's some really good guys like John Janowitz and Alex Aguiar that don't have their pro card or anything. So they're ranked as amateurs and they're way above us talent wise. And so they get to bowl with two pros. And so I think, I think that kind of evens out the playing field a little bit, whereas now, like we're kind of at a little bit of a disadvantage when we go to USBCs. However, I think this, I think this makes up for it in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Like they, uh, they treat us as pros by the USBC treats us as right. pros. So it's, it's cool that the PBA is acknowledging that. This is this is a, this is a good segue into what I want to talk about, which is amateurism is dead. Like, if you can make money as a twelve-year-old on TikTok, like, what are we doing with college athletes? And like, it goes hand in hand with the NIL. Like, this doesn't have to do with name, image, and likeness at all. But it it kind of it's like ten, tangentially related to it because it's allowing us to capitalize on our talents. Right. Yeah, so I think that's it's a good move. It's kind of unfortunate for the the women still because they're like the the yeah, women in NCAA NCAA boys. Man, it's so tough because especially now, from what I understand, um, USBC changed the uh, the age to go adult from twenty one to eighteen, and so now you have girls going into college that are eighteen now, and they're not allowed to bowl youth tournaments anymore. However, uh, they're not allowed to make money either because of the NCAA. So like they're, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And it's like, all right, do I want to go to a school like Nebraska or McKendry that's NCAA, but then not be able to make any money bowling until I graduate 
or would I rather go to a school like Weber or Wichita where um, I could bowl outside stuff because it's not an NCAA in cash. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the tough part for, for NCAA bowlers is because take your, your college football players and basketball players like Bo Nix can go sign an NIL deal with, with, uh, with Bojangles and he, they can pay him for that. Right. But, and I guess now college bowlers can sign like, like staff sponsorships with, with storm or motive or whatever, but bowling side tournaments is the, the main way that bowlers can make money. Right. And that, I mean, the only people that are getting paid to be on staff are the top national right. level players. Right. And so the, the NCAA deems those tournaments as pay to play, which are still illegal. So like there's still, we're still on the short end of the stick here. And it's, it's really unfair to the, to the, the NCAA bowlers. Whereas, yeah, I'm glad that we don't have to deal with that. Right. So, it's so weird. People would ask us in college because we were not in CBLA because of I, I I assume it's from Title IX. But we like they would ask us, oh, don't you wish you were in CBLA? And we're always like, absolutely no, not. Like maybe maybe if we were playing a different sport, probably. Right. Um, but like being in bowling, like I, I feel it's different because there's not really any other sports that you can really make money like on the side if it's not professional mm-hmm. um because like, i don't think maybe like the the minor leagues in baseball or something but that usually comes after you graduate or whatever i don't know anywhere where you can go compete and you know right. like a lot of times it's, it's scholarship money for um youth bowlers and then side stuff uh like the just your regular tournaments on the weekends where you can make some money um i i, I really don't understand why that's such a bad thing I don't either. I, if you look at it from like a football basketball perspective, which is pretty much all the NCAA is really thinking about, like you don't want like like a Buddy Beheim because I'm gonna have to give the Syracuse plugs in here. You don't want Buddy Beheim joining some local like AAU team and going to play on a Friday afternoon to go try to win a couple thousand dollars in some side tournament. Like that's just not not good for, for Syracuse basketball and not really good for buddy where as bowling, like there's no injury risks. There's no harm to the school in any way. There's no, nobody's losing in this scenario. Right. So it's, it's a, it's an outdated thing. I, I assume it will change in the coming years. Cause the NCAA is yeah, I'm interested to see how that'll play out. Cause I know like from talking to a lot of, um, a lot of guys that are older than us, um, you know, like thirties, forties, a lot of them, a lot of them don't like that that youth can uh, jump around and like the youth can bowl adult tournaments or that they can make money. They think that a lot of them, I, from what I've heard, think that, you know, once you take money, you should just be straight adult. And I think that's kind of what USBC is doing a little bit, like with lowering the, the youth age. But, um, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I'm interested to see how it plays out for sure. Yeah, we're at a, we're at a, bit of a tipping point here with right where we're where to go from here and it's it's kind of cool at being the being bowlers here whereas we see the national media is focusing on it from a a football a basketball standpoint and then we get this whole other avenue of it that's like kind of been tempted because the men's bowling has been non-NCAA so we've kind of already been dabbling in all these rule changes that hopefully the women get to have soon right and it's 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 kind of cool we get to see it from that perspective already yeah 
All right. So to get back to this rule change, I have I have a question for you. Sure. So now that college bowlers can bowl in as many PBA tournaments and cash in as many PBA tournaments as possible, should Weber get their 2017 title reinstated? If you don't know, Weber's 2017 title was vacated because a player accidentally, allegedly accidentally cashed in multiple in more than two events. And so their title was vacated uh, about a year afterwards. So how do you feel about this? I, I, I don't really think it should have been taken away to begin with. Um, I know it kind of goes with this rule. Like he cashed in, I don't, I don't know the exact story, but like if he just cashed in a couple of regionals, like, is that really like, does that make him just, that doesn't put him any higher than what he was at. Like he's just, he bowled well in some events and, like we should, I think that should be definitely not to the point of being taken taking away a national title from an entire team university. Like I think good bowling should be rewarded. And so I would I would definitely if that if that I don't know what the exact thing that happened was, but if, if it was just he cashed in a couple of regions, I absolutely think they should get that back. Right. This is for non bowlers, this is very, very similar to the Reggie Bush Heisman situation where he made he made some money i think because some someone took him out to dinner or someone paid him for some autographs and they took away his heisman trophy because of that and then you have this situation where a bowler cashed in a couple pba events and weber loses a national title like that's it's bonkers and i highly highly doubt that they will ever reinstate the title probably i i i don't see that happening i i would agree with that but i i definitely I still, I mean, I know that I think if you go on the USPC website and you go to like past national champions, there's, I think there's just an asterisk in that year, in that column. Like they just, I don't know. I, I don't think anyone sees them as not being that year's champs. Like I don't think anybody takes that away from them other than USBC. Mm -hmm. Do you know if they had to send the rings back? I think they did. Um, I don't know how they can enforce that per se, because I think there were some seniors on that team. And I, I, me personally, I don't think I would have sent my back. I wouldn't, that's my not a chance in hell. Was that Jalen's senior year? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he didn't travel with the team, but that was that was his. Right, because I I think that was I, I feel like he told me there were. I, th I think he told me that somebody, at least somebody was like, no, I'm keeping it. Like, I'm not sending it back. Not a chance in hell I would have sent that back. No mm -hmm. chance. Yeah, you can come to my house and try to take it. It's yeah, not, good not luck. It, it's hidden. Mm -mm. But, yeah, that's it, this is a really fascinating rule change. Honestly, it's one of those things where it really only impacts, like, the top – one to five percent of the talent pool yeah like, and that's where i was saying like um with the usbc thing like there's only a handful of people in college that i think as an entire like a whole everyone would consider be like all right they're probably you know they're they're gonna go they're definitely gonna go on tour after probably have success like there's there's really only a handful of those but they made that rule apply to everybody so like even the people that don't get to travel you know, like they, you know, they don't make the roster or they, sorry, they don't make the, the travel team or whatever. So they don't bowl the whole year, but they have their membership. Like they're, they're a pro. 
I, I, I don't think that's that, I don't think that's very fair, but I yeah. think just kind of evens it a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. It was all, we always thought it was weird when like, yeah, it's fair to put like any of the ranked teams. You, it's somewhat fair to put them as to rank them as a pro for like those for nationals, but right. like. I think when the when that when that came out, I I don't remember if that was our freshman year, if it was like a little bit before that. My initial thought when when I first heard about that, I I thought the way they should do it is like the all Americans should probably be ranked as pros, like the following year or whatever. Um, probably like if the top couple averages, top number of whatever averages, if they happen to not make all American, they could be in there. Um, the people who obviously win the the singles, um, that would I think that I think that's a little bit more of a fair assessment to rank people's pros compared to you know the guys that are just you know kind of ball for fun. That's a it's kind of how like the NBA does their their max contracts. If you if you make an all NBA team, you get a little your 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 max salary raises from like twenty five to thirty percent of the cap. So that's a, that's a kind of an that would be a good parallel to that, where if you're an All American, you are a pro. Whereas if you're just some some scrub, averaging one eighty five for whatever school, then you're not a pro. You I mean you're born in college. Yeah, you're, you're not born in college, but I don't know. I think um, I think another cool thing that the PBA did before this rule went into effect. I feel like if we really thought about it, we might have saw this coming was the jun- the PBA junior stuff. Like now they're they're giving youth bowlers like youth PBA events to bowl. So mm-hmm. I think that's another way of introducing people to PBA type competition with like the patterns and you know the formats and stuff and getting them into it even earlier than college now. And I, I think that I think that was pretty cool. I'm definitely jealous that we didn't have that when I was coming up, but I'm glad they put that in there. Right. And that's a that's a good example. Like Spencer Robarge bowls in the PBA junior thing, so it's like a, an event made for basically high school age kids to like showcase who's the next generation. And like a month later, he makes the USBC Masters telecast. Yeah, he's just you know not even in college yet. He's still in high school, and he's making a major TV show. Like that. That's that's crazy. That's so, like that's it's it's not. Yeah, he he's a special talent, bro. He's oh my gosh. And I mean, and that that's another good parallel to like like Anthony Nyer is not bowling in college anymore. Yeah. Partly because of this rule, whereas he where he couldn't bowl in as many PBA stuff because he was good enough to to bowl professional yeah, events. He, again, another in high school or just out of high school or whatever, making a PBA show like made the seven ten split on the show. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I... right. This is it, it kind of reminds me of how like basketball's pushing to eliminate the one and done role because there's high school prospects like like Zion, Cade Cunningham. Yeah, there's right start, a lot of them are starting to sign with like the G League and stuff, right? So they get right. paid earlier. Right. So like there's these high school kids that are talented enough to go pro. Now it's it's only the top percent. Right. But they're good enough. And that's where bowling is they're kind of giving the that chance for us to give it that shot of going pro while also going to college and going for a degree so it's kind of like this cool balance right so i yeah because i i think um i'm not obviously i'm not into the nba as you are but i know um a lot like some of those kids out of the high school the top prospects or whatever have been signing with 
like the G League or the European leagues or whatever. And I honestly don't blame them. Like, if you have the opportunity to start making hundreds of thousands of dollars before you're 20, why wouldn't you? Because mm-hmm. how many times do we see freak injuries in sports where people afterwards are not the same or can't play anymore? Like, mm-hmm. why take that risk? You know, having to go to college for, is it, can you go after two years or is that like? Basketball is after one year, one year gotcha. out of high school. Gosh, all right. So it's, it's not that long, but at the same time, like this is, I think this is kind of like the in-between where the NBA is at. Like this gives the, like the bowlers the opportunity to start making money, but it also gives them the incentive that they can stay in college or go to college, mm-hmm. but then still continue to make money. Right. And the, the, the thing we haven't addressed here in this comparison is when, when bowlers cash in an event, they're not making that much money guys. Oh, um, like what? What if you if you finished in tenth in a PBA regional and you cashed? How much money are you getting? Uh, so they usually they cash one in three. So let me see. Uh, it's not so a lot. Usually, Maybe. when you if you cash, so what we say cash. So for a for a bowling tournament, you pay X amount of money for the tournament entry fee to get mm-hmm. into the tournament, and then you bowl however many games, and then they usually make a cut. And then after the cut, whoever makes the cut usually makes some type of money. And so normally like a the safe bet is usually when you make the cut, you'll double your money or so or make a little. You usually won't get less than you put in because that's just why, why even take the chance. But um, I know at regionals, the regionals are like two. I think for members, they're about 240 and non-members. It's, I think it's might be 310 maybe. And so... Um, they'll cash one and three. So if there's 90 people, the top 30 will cash. I think they take 16 to match play every time. And then however, whatever the difference is from 16 to the one and three. So that would be 14 guys would make money. Uh, usually, I think at regionals, when you miss, but you cash, I think you get like your money back plus probably like 150 or so. Um, usually when you cash or when you make the cut and like, let's say you finish in last of the cut you usually double your money mm-hmm. but um a lot that's of tournaments right. aren't, aren't costing two to three hundred to get in so that's a lot less money going into the prize fund and so sometimes you know you're in for a hundred bucks let's say you go to your saturday tournament it's a hundred dollar entry fee you bowl all day and you finish 10th you might only get like 150 back or 200 back Mm-hmm. And so it's not like we're making hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like the only people that make hundreds of thousands of dollars are the top like four or five people on the PBA tour. Right. And so we're not making huge money. Like we're just, you know, a couple hundred bucks, like might buy a nice pair of sneakers or sometimes when you bowl bad, you get McDonald's money to eat on the way home. And that, that's it. Right. But yeah. For Kyle Troop broke the all time earnings record this year for a PBA season. And he made about $497,000, which is like the minimum wage in the NBA. Yeah. That's, I was going to say, that's like almost practice squad money, right? For the the NFL, they're making about that. They're like, they're not on a 53 man roster. And this is the most money ever made in a season in PBA tour history. That's been going on since 1958. It's less than 500 grand. Right. So I have the uh, the regional information for the tournament in the South, the, the last week South Open. 
in Florida and the entry fee for PBA members 245, but college bowlers cannot be PBA members. So it's $310. The final cash spot was guaranteed to pay a minimum of 425 and the 16th place got $550. Yeah. So, so we're talking like a little more than double their money. Yeah. If that, so like, yeah, this is not like big money here. This is not life changing money. No, it's this like is, this is the cover of your expenses going through on the way home money. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, this is this rule is like a no brainer. Honestly, it's a it's a good step in the right direction. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely on the same page. I I'm curious to hear what someone who isn't on the same page has to say. Like I don't I'm not even really sure what the argument would be against it. I I don't know either. It would be the classic boomer. You know, kids you know, should back be in my kids. day, you know, I could. Yeah, it's which is a weird take for an old bowler to have because bowlers were making more money back in the day. Bowling used to be the pinnacle, like when the PBA was was in its heyday, in like the sixties, I believe, at their seventies, like in that time period, like it was it was getting a lot more viewership than um, like that the. MLB, the NFL, the NBA, all of it, it was, they used to have, there used to be, because bowling has always been like the highest participation sport across the country. The, the USBC's got like 5 million annual members or so. And they used to, nowadays, you know, there's one league a night, usually a, you know, like every bowling center, you know, 50 to 100, 150 people. But back in the day, they used to, um, they would have, league shifts and so there would be a league at let's say four o'clock and then second shift was at seven o'clock and the third was at 10 and the fourth was at 1 a.m and bowling alleys were packed like everybody bowled league they used to have like laundromats and daycares inside of bowling centers so that obviously when the parents go bowl league like there's somewhere for their kids to go and it was just it was that popular and now it's just I, I feel like, you know, with the, the new deal with Fox, I feel like it's going in the right direction for sure. Yeah. Um, I like how they added the, um, the Specto, the strike track thing. That's um, That was by far the big best addition they've made because now non-bowlers and and even just non-hardcore bowlers can see how accurate these dudes are. It's 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 unbelievable. It, it's, it's, it's really unbelievable how good these guys are. Right. They, uh, I remember I think, there was um, a Belmo event where Belmo literally was splitting boards, like 19.8 to 7.9, like three shots in a row, just painting lines. And then even, the, even those PBA junior events, the girls, uh, Jillian Martin and Victoria Verano, were just – every shot was right on top of the other. It was unbelievable. They're so good. I think, I think another thing the PBA did that was a really good step in the right direction uh, was the blue oil. Mm-hmm. As we – you know – a lot of people don't understand the patterns that we're bowling on. Some of them just, you know, like they go bowling and they say, don't go past the foul line because it's slippery and they think that's all there is. The blue oil, I think, starts to show it's, I think it's a step in the right direction. I feel like they could take it even a step further. And so I feel like they could use different color oils. I don't know how the dye affects the oil or whatever, but like my thought was, you know, they have, you know, like a house shot would be green, let's say, so that like the the average person that doesn't watch bowling, they're like, oh yeah, the green is the easy one. And then the blue is the medium. And then they can make like red 
when they it, did like the more flat it is would be red and then when it gets kind of in the middle and then higher would be green the uh one of the major i think it was the masters the, they, they did red one well. time yeah i thought the red looked pretty cool it's but I, I think they can use the different colors to help the non-bowlers understand even a step further mm -hmm. what's going on yeah the, i think the only the, the inhibitor to that is just the cost of of that yeah like it's up it's, bowling stuff is already so expensive so like that's obviously going to deter them. That that's a good point. The I've always thought, as someone who has not bowled professionally on on the the fan colored oil, that it's almost easier because they just they they literally as the lanes break down, the pros get this like literal tunnel. Like we always talk literally about, literally see tunnel. where the friction is. Right. So like you get this literal like you get to see the line that you have to hit, and you just throw it right at it, and then as it the color depletes a little bit. You get to move, just move a little bit left on top of the the thicker stuff, and I, that's just my theory of it. I'm sure the pros don't. It's the same shit, but I've always thought it, it makes it easier. Yeah, I would. I would be interested. I, obviously, I would love to bowl on it. I think I just think that would be a cool experience. I'll just you know make a show. And I'll let you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, now you can make as many as you want. You don't have to stop. As many as I want. <laughs> I'll be repping my Willie P. Yeah, yeah um, I I definitely intend to take advantage of this new rule that they put in our in mm -hmm. place for us. How far are you going to have to? A lot of people should. Right. How far are you going to have to drive from from Jersey? Uh, there's a couple in Jersey. Uh, there's a couple in um, usually like southern New York kind of area, and then there's I know there's there's usually a couple in like York, PA, which is a couple hours from here. Um, there's a bunch in Maryland, uh, so it's, it's pretty much there, there's the regional up in the northeast have, have started to increase, which is cool. They finally got some in New England, finally, for the first time either ever or there might have been one like back in the day. But they had I think two or three regionals up in New England this year, which was really cool. Yeah, there's actually one this weekend in in Fayetteville, which is near where I lived in North Carolina, so that's kind of oh, nice. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a really the PBA is doing some good stuff. It seems like the last bit. So shout out to to Tom Clark, not a Syracuse grad, but Syracuse local, uh, and all those. I'm sure there's plenty more people. It's not just him. But yeah, this is this is cool to see that they're taking advantage and kind of they're a little bit of pioneers in this compared to some of the other sports. Basketball, obviously, with this with this G League stuff is. The money's at a different level, but this is cool that the uh, college athletes get to make some money on the side, pursue, the, get a taste of the pro life while earning a degree. I think that's a absolutely, a, yeah. I think I think that I think that's really cool that they they. I feel like this. I feel like this is gonna when when we look back forty years from now or whatever. I think they're gonna look at this move as a success because they're. I think it makes it a little bit easier for the kids that are in college that are like, you know, maybe I want to go pro, but I don't really know. Whereas before it was just either I got to go try it or don't, or now that they, now they can get a t their foot in the door a little bit. And I think, I think that, I think that'll be a big help for sure, as well as being able to stay in college and get their degree. All right. Here's an interesting uh, thing that could come up for some of the, the elite elite ones is say there's, PBA a, a PBA regional an hour from their their college but there's also a college tournament that weekend uh bro you have to bowl a college tournament you have, you have to. to 
You have to. But there's going to be there's going to be kids that I, I'm that sure don't. I'm sure that'll come up eventually. It's only a matter of time. Right, like you got an exemption from from Joe the one year to go bowl the U.S. Open. Yeah, it's the U.S. Open. Right. So one, not a once in a lifetime, but like it's only once a year. And at that point, they were having uh, qualifiers for it. So if I had not made it through the PTQ, I could have came back for the tournament. But mm-hmm. I, I did have to make it through. And um, you guys got the win anyway. So I got to, I was hearing over there in North Carolina, you guys are getting it done. Yeah, the I I do think they obviously should bowl the college tournament, right? Yeah. But we also have to remember that bowlers are individual athletes at heart. Yep. And not always the most team-centric people. Yeah. I think and, being in college for this is my fifth year now. Uh, I was around a college bowling program last year, even though I didn't bowl. I think one of the things I've learned is you got to enjoy it while you can. My freshman year, I was definitely, I had a pretty good freshman year and I was definitely kind of like, you know, look at me kind of deal. And as I've, as I've grown in college bowling, like looking back, it's like now I don't care if I'm bowling in the anchor spot or if I'm in the, God forbid, the two spot that everybody hates. Um, I'm just, I'm happy to be there. I just want to contribute. Um, I know I, this is my last year. This is the last one I got. So I would not miss these tournaments for nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people kind of figure that out as they go. And it's just one of those things you've got to go through at first. Right. Um, I'm glad I did. And I, I feel like I've got a better mindset towards it now. But, um, right. you know, these are people you live with for four years. You take it for granted and then it's over. We learned that the hard way. Yeah, we did. It came crashing down fast. Yeah, it was 60 to zero real quick. I didn't really believe Joe when he would tell us college bowling is like the best of bowling. I'm like, nah, man, the pros is the best. And then we bowled a few tournaments and I'm like, nah, this is the best. It's just so much fun. Like you live with these people. You, you're with you're with someone on your team 24 7 you're never by yourself you mm-hmm. go to the calf there's usually five of you you're at practice three hours a day we had conditioning and weights every day at 6 a.m like you live eat sleep breathe with these people and then you get to watch each other grow you get to help each other up when they're down and it's just like it's it there's so much going on and you just, you know, it's, you got to take a step back and, and definitely look, cause it, it'll fly. Like it feels like just yesterday. I remember moving in with you and apparently I, me and Mike weren't friends at that point. That's garbage. But like, it's just, it's so quick. Like mm-hmm. it's crazy. Yeah. You, you literally college bowling tournaments are three or four day road trip with like your best friends on the planet. You're in, you're in a van for sometimes eight hours, nine, 10 hours. And people, I, people don't understand, like you're in a van, right? There's eight of you, your coach is driving and sometimes an assistant coach and Joe, our coach never let us sit in the front. He always had a a toolbox up front. We could never sit up there. So you have eight guys in the back of this van, all between freshmen and senior level college guys being dumb idiots cramped together to the point like it would it would we would be so almost like tight to the like we would take turns like laying on the bowling balls like there's no there's no room because every guy has six bowling balls there's eight of us that's 48 balls we had a cooler full of all sorts of random foods p3s 
people had all their backpacks, their duffel bags, pillows, blankets, like, like you're with, you're just, you're, you're like this all yeah. the time. And it's just, it's been, it's been so fun. And right. I'm, I'm glad I got one more year to look forward right. to that. You got people lying on top of bowling balls, driving down the highway, trying to take a nap. And it's the best thing ever. Like, I, you, unless you did it, like, there's no way to explain how, how awesome it was. Not to mention the conversations we would we would have. Like, they just, they get so rowdy and so dumb. And, oh, my God. I got to so say, fun. I think I think we were spoiled. We had, our team chemistry was, I think, at a different level. I, I think, I you know, obviously, when you live together with, people like that like you're gonna you're not gonna agree all the time you're gonna argue sometimes but like oh my dm it was i i don't even know how to explain it like it was just like if we had if we had video cameras in in the van Mm. we might not be on this podcast but it was it it got it was crazy yeah it was i remember when the first tournament jalen came with us we we, when we first got off the bus when whatever bumfuck town in Ohio we were bowling at. And he, we get, he got off the bus and was like, that was the craziest bus trip I've ever been on. You guys were hilarious. We were like, that was mediocre. That was nothing. Like, <laughs> you just, oh, my God. It was. God, man. Uh, it's it's so much fun. I, I can't even explain it. It's just so much fun. Yeah. I can't wait to see see what you guys do this year. I'm going to try to get I'm, to a few. I'm very years excited. I, I, think, I think this team has some some incredible potential. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad. I'm definitely glad to be here. Yeah, I think that's a good way to wrap this up. Thanks for thanks for coming on the pod, Hunter. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. If you guys don't already, obviously you're listening to this uh, podcast. He told me that this might be his first YouTube video. So if you don't already, subscribe to his YouTube page. If you don't already know, can'tlosehughes.com sports articles. This, I'm just gonna tell you, Nolan eats, lives, breathes everything about sports and he puts more into this stuff than i know anybody puts into anything else so show my man some love appreciate it appreciate it yeah this is uh this has been a moment oh we got one more one more thing we do so at the end of every episode i do like a recommendation thing right so what is something you a book you've I, you don't read books never mind like uh I, I i've read one book in the last two years so if you want i don't think anyone's gonna read it but it's astrophysics for people in a hurry by neil degrasse tyson (laughs) is that gonna be your recommendation are you gonna you want to plug like a movie or tv show or something we'll count that as like an a1 all right give me something else i'm I'm a little biased that's the only book i've read (laughs) all right i'll go first then i'll uh my first i've been watching this this that new hulu show only murders in the building it's the new selena gomez martin short and steve barton i think and it's kind of like a it's like a a spoof on like all these true crime podcast people and they're like making a true crime podcast while they're like solving some murder in their building right and it's 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 interesting it's not the greatest thing i've ever seen but it's pretty good and i don't really have a whole lot of time to be listening and watching many things these days so that's the about the only tv i've been watching over the last few weeks so that's that's my recommendation for the week what about you all right let's see so i'm one of my one of my good friends is really he got into anime 
and I had never watched anime before. And I, I think I had just had the typical stereotype, like, it's weird. But um, he got me to watch one, and I thought it was really good. And then every one I've watched since, I've, like, I could, I wouldn't want to say that I'm, like, a big anime person now, because I'm, I'm on uh, my fifth series of anime since we started. But um, I would I would say one of those. So... I'm gonna be honest. The the show I watched called Attack on Titan. It's it's not for. I don't even know how to say it. It's pretty gory, to be honest. Like it is anime, so obviously it's not real. But the storyline in that show is probably the most incredible like story arc I've seen out of any show I've ever watched. I'm a big. I like. I thought The Office was funny occasionally like I, I enjoy like i did watch it but i'm more of like a like an episode to episode that like a fall like following a story whereas that kind of show is just kind of like each episode is its own thing right. i'm more of a, a big story arc kind of person and out of all the shows that i've watched like that i think that might be the best one it's like i said it's kind of gory so if you want a little more fun one black clover was really good um i don't know how to think of this first if you haven't watched it already Avatar: The Last Airbender. I love that. I've since that came out on Netflix during COVID. I think I've watched it eleven times. Oh my god! I knew it was on. It was on in your drama a lot, but I didn't know it was on that much. Yeah, Uh, and then the the follow up series to that, Legend of Korra. I think I've watched like six times. Like I just, I that would yeah that would name some of these for the next time you're on. All right, all right, bet. All right, thanks for coming on, Hunter. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I look forward to the next one. Keep keep up the good work. Appreciate it. I'll see you soon.